We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome into the first episode of the Ring Out Ahoya podcast, your official home for the latest on Marquette Athletics. I'm your host, Scott Kuykendall, and the purpose of this podcast is provide listeners with the latest on the department through conversations with staff, coaches, current and former student-athletes, many, many more as well. For the first episode, we decided to start at the top, so our first guest is Vice President and Director of Athletics, Bill Scholl. Bill, thanks for taking the time. Scott, happy to do it. It's an honor and a privilege to be the first one on board. Looking forward to it. I got to believe when you look back at your career that this is going to be right up there with everything. Oh, there's no question. I'm, you know, I'm trying to think Final Fours and bowl games and, and Omaha with the College World Series and, and my podcast with Scott Kuykendall, no doubt. Well, other duties is a sign for me, but also a pleasure. You know, I do want to say the housekeeping, we are taping this a couple days in advance of when it will debut later this week. And as as we know now more than ever how, how much things change. So. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking here 
uh, with the information and, and all of the answers, right, Bill, that you're going to provide here in the next few minutes. Yep. As we look ahead, and and I don't want to, you know, we can cover obviously a number of things, and I don't want to spend a ton of time, you know, looking back because I think specifically with athletics, all the questions are on the future, and and we'll get to that. But I, I did want to spend a little bit of time with two specific areas. First, when all of this happened and the and the sports shut down, and then followed up by you know the impact that has had on the university and specifically the staff. And the furlough. So, so just looking back, Bill, and, and we talked a little about this in advance. You know, we're we're in New York City, and I think you've talked a lot about specific to men's basketball how quickly everything changed. But maybe if you could give some background on that day, and and really having to address not only all of our in-season sports, but but our entire department. Yeah, Scott, I, I, I've i never seen a day quite like it, and I hope I never do again. Uh, you know, we were all on that seventh floor, I think it was on the seventh floor uh, meeting area for our men's basketball team in New York. And uh, Mike Lovell and I had gone to, that morning, had attended the uh, board of directors meeting for the Big East Conference, which is all the presidents and then the athletic directors are there kind of an, uh, on an ad hoc basis. And part of our meeting was a conference call that included uh, 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 some folks from the NCAA fairly high up. And uh, as we were concluding our, our board meeting, the, 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 the feeling at the time was that the NCAA tournament would still get played, uh, although probably and most likely without fans. And we had made the decision, this was Thursday, so the games Wednesday had been played. And the next tip-off, I think, was scheduled for noon. And our meeting was scheduled to end at noon. And we, were, we had planned to go from Thursday through the rest of the Big East tournament without fans or with a very limited number of fans per school. So I left that board of directors meeting about a 10 to 15-minute walk back to the hotel, uh, went up to my room, grabbed some stuff, came back downstairs, hopped on the bus to go with the team to shoot around and got a call while on the bus that we should turn the bus around because both the NCAA tournament and the Big East tournament had been canceled. So literally that was 30 to 45 minutes after we thought we had to go. And I, I, that's not critical of anybody. I think it just simply shows how fast things were moving and how things were happening that had never happened before. So there was no playbook, there was no way to judge it. So, you know, we immediately gathered in that seventh floor meeting space and began to figure out, all right, how do we get home? What about a charter? Uh, How do we get back to Wisconsin? What do we do with our student athletes? Uh, It was spring break. You know, at at that point, we weren't quite sure what was happening academically. Uh, And we decided that we would send as many of our student athletes directly to their homes rather than rather than back to school. So so we started that process. And later that day, the NCAA informed us that all of their spring championships would get canceled. And it wasn't just the two basketball tournaments, but it was all spring championships. And of course, shortly after that, within minutes, the Big East announced that there would also be no Big East championships in the spring. Uh, And then we collectively with our peers in the Big East all agreed that there'd be no spring play. And, you know, all of this took place over several hours. 
with all of us, you were part of that group, kind of holed up in the, the seventh floor conference room or meeting space at the hotel. And we then immediately got on the phone with our head coaches to inform them that unfortunately spring play was being discontinued and that they needed to let their student athletes know. So you, you just talk about waking up in the morning and expecting one set of circumstances and then going to bed that night uh, and having a totally different set of circumstances. I, I've just never seen something happen quite like that. And as I said, I, I, I hope we never see it again. Well, and it's interesting, too, just for some context, you know, we had a, a track and field student athlete that was at the NCAA uh, championships that was watching other schools leave. Uh, you know, I think the Big Ten had made a call earlier. And then I know, you know, Steve Roadcap and the men's tennis team had just finished competing, uh, had a match that day. Uh, and and you and, and the senior staff were communicating with all these coaches and, and not only getting basketball home, but we had to get a, a lot of other sports home as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and uh, you know, it's it, the, the track situation was an interesting one because they had actually started the NCAA championships, but our student athlete had not yet competed. And, uh, and we actually, and certainly he believes that he had a chance to score points. And uh, unfortunately, he, he, he never did get to compete. And we did have teams scattered around the country because not, you know, again, I, I, I believe it was spring break. Am I correct on that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and that's typically when, you know, teams in our climate kind of head south to get some outdoor competition in and, and many of our teams had done that. So uh, not only was it a matter of just kind of shutting things down, but clearly we had to get student athletes either back to Milwaukee or back to their homes. And, and um, you know, I, I guess I'd put a plug in for Anthony Travel. They were going crazy trying to, trying to schedule it all and not just for our school, but they work with a, a ton of institutions. Uh, yeah, it was it, it was a it was simply an amazing, you know, I'd say twelve to sixteen hour period. And then, you know, the, the the hardest part, Scott, in all honesty, for me, obviously pulling the plug on this stuff is heartbreaking. There's no question. But then doing it in such a way that you can't even get face to face with people. Uh, you know, I was in New York. Our teams were scattered around the country. We had a lot of student athletes back in Milwaukee or at home over spring break, and. And so this whole thing happened via texts and emails. And, you know, we weren't all Zoom specialists yet at that point in time. And, uh, and that was just really hard to, 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 to tell, I don't know what, about 150 student athletes that they no longer had, had a sport to play, you know, for the next few months. And, and as we all know how painful that has been for the seniors in the group who's, who just never dreamed when they woke up that morning that their competition in Marquette was probably over uh you know you, you it just talk about a jolt to the system the, the, the entire thing was just totally heartbreaking well and then at the same time for you I, I you know I think everybody when, when you're interviewed they're talking about you know specifically to athletics and staff and student athletes but you also were trying to go through and deal all this with your own family uh maybe talk a little about that balance and your father and a grandfather and your family scattered across the country and, and trying to balance that not only then, but, but to continue to try to do that. No, that you're, you're exactly right, Scott. You know, we've got three kids, two in, in uh, live in South Bend, Indiana, and the other one's out in Portland, Oregon. And, you know, I, I, I certainly give my wife, Julie, a ton of credit because in many ways I, I probably handed off the, hey, communicate with the kids while, while I'm doing this. And, and she certainly did that. Um, you know, one, one's a, one's a school teacher who, who, 
you know, quickly adopted to having to teach online, just like teachers all around the world have had to do. Uh, and, and, you know, I guess you, you talk about some, some bright moments that come out of it. We actually can watch her teach now. And, you know, if we get a spare moment at home, we can pull up her latest lesson and, and kind of watch her teach. Uh, you know, we had another daughter. This all didn't obviously happen at the same time, but our daughter out in Portland, uh, she was scheduled to get married July 4th. And <laughs> so we had to, you know, we had had sent, save the dates out and uh, we're preparing to get invitations out. And the decision we had to make the decision to to delay her wedding. So she's now not getting married until next July. Uh, you know, and then and then, uh, you know, we have a son who's in our business, yours and mine. and and as we all know, ultimately, this has led to things like furloughs at a lot of places. So you immediately begin to get concerned about that. Uh, fortunately, that hasn't occurred for him, at least not so far. Um, but you do worry about all those things. So, you know, as you and I know, you feel like you have 310 kids uh, with our Marquette student athletes. And then we have our own families that, that we all you know, need to be accountable to first and foremost. So, uh, it, it's 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 been a strange time, no question. But I will also say, uh, other than not being able to visit our our only granddaughter who who lives down in Indiana, uh, we are so blessed because we're all healthy uh, and we're all working, and uh, we, you know we we clearly want to see it come to an end as quickly as possible. But I I have no complaints relative to to that side of things. You know that's a, a good transition to kind of. You know, we get back and I and I don't know if you have. I mean, I haven't even been to my office since before we left for New York City because you know, nor have I. Yeah, we had to quarantine uh, right coming in from from New York City. So uh, even that, you know, just the, the suddenness of it. Uh, get back, you get a, what we feel is a little bit of a breather almost, although I know you're obviously dealing with things on a daily basis. And and you mentioned furloughs and and the university identified uh, 250 staff across campus and you know a significant number in athletics that have had to furlough in the short term maybe just a little bit obviously that is not an easy process but maybe a little background on on working through that I know you ended up calling uh, every one of our co-workers who, who has been furloughed and and going through that uh, a couple weeks ago yeah, that was. Th those are always such painful things, and and uh, I, you know I credit our our uh, upper management staff members who helped me get through the process and and try to determine, you know, how we were going to go about it. Um, I mean, primarily, uh, you know, primarily the determinators were, you know, how busy are you going to be with no no athletes on campus and, and no sports occurring. And, you know, where could we help the university mitigate the significant loss that it was going to incur um, primarily as a result of having to refund, uh, you know, part of the room and board because we weren't having students back on campus. So, um, you know, the university certainly had to, to find a way to, to, to get through this fiscal year and, and rightly so the decision was made that, that, that furloughs could help play a, significant role and athletics is no different than any other spot on campus when those things happen we participate and uh very painful process uh you know if there's any good news it's it's that because of things like the cares package uh, hopefully people weren't injured too harshly financially um 
but you know, nobody wants to be told that they can't come to work for some period of time. I mean, I, 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 I our staff is so sensational. Um, you know, they love Marquette, they love our student athletes, and and the last thing they want to hear is that they can't be part of hanging around and making things better. And uh, so that's always a, a tough message to deliver. Um, I wasn't the one who told everybody just because we didn't want it to take that long for me to get to that number of people. Uh, so several other members of our staff reached out to people who reported up through their structures. Uh, however, I did ultimately end up reaching out to every single person who was furloughed and continued to do so electronically. Uh, obviously, they're in a position where they can't do any work, but that doesn't mean I can't reach out and just see how they're doing, and, and, and we continue to do that. But um, yeah, one of, the, one of the very unfortunate side effects of the pandemic. I think, you know, everybody uh, probably believes this, but I, I think that is it, this situation really does allow uh, a department like athletics to, to really shine, right? I mean, I like to think that we're a resilient group with high stress and in different situations on a daily basis. And, and I think you've seen that. I, I know I have across the department as kind of a, okay, next up, obviously, we love and, and miss everybody that's been furloughed, but to still be able to to work through the day and accomplish what we need to get done is a process that I think has gone pretty well. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, Scott, and I'm glad to hear you say it because clearly your staff was affected and your workload has changed as a result of it. And uh, and you're in a you're in a critical externally facing area. And you know the need for social media and and promotions and things around our athletic teams hasn't stopped. Uh, in many ways, maybe more important than ever because recruiting continues even though it's all virtual. Uh, so so I I you know I, I would say two things. First of all, as I reached out to the folks who were furloughed, I was I was humbled by how they expressed their understanding of the situation. Uh, they know that it's not like anybody at Marquette wants this to happen, but to protect Marquette for the future, there we had to do some tough things. And I was amazed at the level of understanding of those people who were furloughed that I get it, and they didn't take it personally. And then, of course, I'm even further humbled by those folks who are still on board uh, who now have workloads that go way beyond. I mean, not that we don't always have pretty extended workloads in athletics, you know, our our we work eight to five and then our games are nights and weekends. So, you know, we, we have our, our, our folks work some pretty long days and long, long weeks. Uh, but those who have stayed on board are doing everything they can possibly do to, to step up and fill the void uh, while, while some of our colleagues are, are out. And uh, it, it has reinforced for me, not like I needed it by any means, but it has reinforced for me what unbelievable people we have within the athletics department. They are, uh, you know, we talk about wanting to make the difference and be the difference, and and I feel like we've got about a hundred people in our department who who absolutely buy into that motto, and it's perhaps never been more visible than it is right now. So we're supposed to be in at eight a.m. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I thought it was seven, but that's okay. <laughs> I'll check. I, I mean, I'm just asking for other people. Hey, all you have to do is get out of bed and get to your computer. How hard is that? The commute, yeah, the commute is a lot shorter now. That's that's right, nice part exactly. for sure. You know, I, I think we talked about it in the open, and obviously, 
a ton of questions right now. And, uh, you know, we're not going to try to, to get through all of them, but I think it's interesting that and you mentioned it even uh, to the staff last week. I mean, for you and for other ADs, there's no TED talk you can Google. There's no, you can't go to YouTube and how to get through a pandemic. And it, it's even gotten to a point that you, you have a text group now with all of the ADs that maybe you haven't had before that you're bouncing ideas off of on a daily basis? We do. We have we have all 11. And, and I, I said 11 to somebody the other day and they were like, 11? I thought we only had 10. And yeah. I reminded them, of course, of our friends uh, at UConn. Um, but yeah, we do have now, and we didn't have it before, but we do have all 11 of us now on just this ongoing uh, uh, text chain. And I, I got to tell you, Scott, it's been invaluable. First of all, uh, we have discovered who are comedians in the group because a lot of folks, you know, there's a lot of humor being sent back and forth just to try to keep things as light as possible. And I won't name names, but we have we have one in particular who could be a stand-up comic, I'm convinced. But um, but it also has been unbelievable in terms of, of I, if I sent out a question right now, hey, how are you guys handling this at your school? Within 30 minutes, I've heard back from all 10 with how they're handling it. And it has just, it's been an incredible, I, I'm sure we'll keep it going when this ends because it's just been an incredible way uh, to get feedback from who I consider 10 of the best athletic directors in the country. They're, they're all very seasoned and very talented and, and we're all being very open and honest and transparent. And, and we're no longer competitors in this moment. We're, we're all in this together and how can we get through it? Um, so, so that, yeah, that's actually been kind of a, a another uh, neat little thing that's, that's sort of come about from it. Uh, you know, your, your comment about TED Talks is so right. We're, we, we operate in a, in a place of higher education. We teach people to uh, obtain data and make data-driven decisions in a lot of our classrooms. And there simply is no way to do that. Uh, you know, in the day in New York, I think is evidence of that. There just was no way to say, okay, what's coming next? And there still isn't. And in, until we get, I think, deeper into the summer and learn more about potential treatments and vaccines, you know, the, the path forward is just really one, truly one step at a time, and there is no roadmap. And it's just a hard way to make decisions. And, you know, people might criticize somebody for a good one or a bad one. And at the end of the day, it, you know, we're all just doing the best we can possibly do on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and we try to, you know, what we are doing a lot of is modeling. Okay, what if this happens, then we do this. If this happens, we do this. And, you know, it seems like every decision is made based on three or four different scenarios, trying to guess what are the most likely outcomes. Well, I think right now and what we're running into, uh, you know, specifically to the communication side, and I know you are in ADs and everywhere across the country are, you know, is being sensitive to what's going on. But we also have to be looking forward to next year, right? And and having seasons and generating revenue and, and that balance, uh, you know, for us, I know we've, we've already sent out some season ticket information for basketball and a lot of questions surrounding that. And, and like you mentioned, there are answers, but they're based on so many factors that we know and don't know, but still have to try to have scenarios for. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. We're we're proceeding right now as if our fall seasons are going to occur as scheduled. So I think uh, I don't know when our very first fall competition is. I do know that our first home game, so the first regular season home game that we'll play back in Milwaukee since 
the pandemic started, uh, is scheduled for August 23rd, and it's a women's soccer game against UIC down in the Valley. And we're certainly planning right now as though that's going to happen. But I will, again, also say that we are throwing out their scenarios. What if we can't get student athletes back fast enough to, get, to train properly to allow that to occur? Uh, then that could push the start of our season back into September. Um, and, and, you know, there's just you kind of keep whittling away at, well, if this happens, then we have to have this ready to go. If this happens, we have to have this ready to go. Uh, but I, I continue to want to be an optimist and say, we have to model different scenarios and we have to be prepared for changes. But at the same time, we also have to be prepared for starting as scheduled. And that's, that's certainly where we are today. Um, now, could that change this afternoon? Unfortunately, it could. But that's, you know, that's, that's to be seen. Well, and, and specifically to men's basketball, I mean, I don't think it's any surprise to anyone that it's a significant portion of our department's revenue. And to not be preparing for it uh, wouldn't be the right thing to do, but also trying to factor in. And I know that's where we're getting a lot of questions from our season ticket holders and, and what it could look like. And, um, not, not, and not just this year, but moving forward uh, in seasons to come as well. Right. You know, we, we uh, did delay uh, putting season tickets back out there for renewal just to be sensitive to the, the hardships that everybody's feeling as a result of the pandemic. But again, we are planning to start basketball as scheduled. And so we do, be, we do need to begin the processes that are involved in that. And one of the earliest ones is actually the ticketing side. Uh, so our season ticket holders will be getting information later this month about how that process is going to unfold. But, you know, I, I agree with you. It's certainly no surprise to everybody how important the sports of basketball, the two, the two basketballs are to us. Uh, and, and, and how, you know, obviously men's hoops from a revenue standpoint drives so many things we do within our department and supports so many different things. And, and it's very important. And, and you know, we're, we're doing all we can to, to keep that on track as well. And all of that being said, the safety and health of our student athletes and our and our staff and our fans will always be first and foremost. And uh, you know, I, I'm hopeful that by the time we get to September and October, things look a little different than they do now in a positive way. Uh, I'm really hopeful of that. And again, I I have no crystal ball and can't promise anything, but. Um, but we, we certainly need to keep pushing on all of our programs, but certainly basketball. And we, again, need to be prepared for eventualities that could be anything from a full season to some form of a truncated season that is conference only to, uh, to, to a conference championship only is, could even be a possibility. Uh, you know, there could be some states that are open and some states that aren't. I mean, the, you know, the variables are just countless. And, uh, and, and somehow you just want to try to think through all of the variables and what do you do if A happens, then what's B? And, and clearly at the top of that pyramid is, is what are we doing around basketball? You know, the Power Five group, they're, you know, football is what they're talking about right now. I think it'll be fascinating to see how that plays out. Um, you know, they, they would, to start on time, they need to start before basketball does, obviously, if they're going to start on time. 
So we might get a bit of an indicator based on some of the decision making around football. You mentioned it just in a a couple of your comments ago about, you know, the safety, obviously, of not only our our fans and um, student athletes uh, and staff, but I, I know something that I think maybe has gotten overlooked a little bit is I think most people from the outside would think for our student athletes, well, moving to online learning is easy. It's going to be easier, right? It's, you don't have to go to class. You can kind of do it on your own schedule. There's probably not as much work, but I think we've found not only within athletics, but across the university and not just Marquette, that there has been a struggle with that. Um, Maybe talk a little about that and, and what Marquette has done. I know, Obviously, we've just added a position. Uh, Dr. Kristen Hoff has been added as Director of Student Athlete Mental Health and Performance Service, and I know that's been a big initiative that uh, you have undertaken uh, this year. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, Scott. You know, everybody just assumes it's easy to make the transition. First of all, I, I credit the university. They, they, we literally con- converted from on-campus to online in a week, and, uh, you know, somebody pointed out that if if, if we had said, let's make Marquette a totally online university, we'd have probably developed some three to five year plan to make that happen. And we literally did it in a week. Um, and, and that's, that's incredible when you think of, of the people power that had to go behind making that happen and the flexibility of our faculty to suddenly change how they're teaching a class. You know, when you think about the complications involved in doing that, it is nothing short of amazing. What our IT people did, I mean, it's just, just an incredible undertaking. Uh, but to, to, to think that it was easy on students and student athletes, I think would, would not be fair to them. And, and I can't really talk to the student body uh, as a whole, but I can certainly talk to the feedback from our student athletes. Uh, they very much miss being on campus. They very much miss the traditional classroom setting where they can uh, touch and feel a desk and, and raise their hand and ask a question of a faculty member and it's face to face and stop in and visit a faculty member after class, you know, whatever it may be. They very much miss that. And I think a lot of this is kind of around the larger piece of just feeling disconnected. And, you know, we have certainly encouraged our coaching staffs and, and, and our non-furloughed employees who have the capability to be reaching out to student athletes just to see how they're doing. And I think our coaches have done an amazing job of, of continuing to, to chat with, uh, with our, our student athletes to make sure they, they feel somewhat connected. Uh, but I also think our, our academic advising folks would tell you that this has probably been a little more difficult on the student athletes than any of us thought it would be. And they would be closest to the fire on this. They're the ones who are you know, helping. They're continuing to do tutoring sessions online and, and those sorts of things. To, to, in fact, yeah, we have finals going on as we speak, so we're in a pretty big week right now uh, academically. Uh, so it has been a challenge, and and it did. You know, I, I was the one wasn't necessarily related. We've been walking down this path of adding a behavioral specialist to our department. Uh, we've been working on it really for a couple of years, and uh, got the funding in place to do it, and made a hire. Uh, a few months ago, and uh, and it's Dr. Kristen Hoff, as you mentioned, who comes to us from uh, Children's Hospital, and uh, she she's also worked in the in the intercollegiate uh, sports psychology space. So uh, great experience, and very excited to have her on board. And and ironically, she started uh, after we went to stay at home, so she's never has not been in the office at all, and is working from her home, and it's a it's a tricky way to onboard somebody, that's for sure. 
But the flip side of that is there's probably no better time to have somebody like her and those resources available to our department and our student athletes. You know, the, the behavioral health area has, has been a hot button within college athletics now for the past several years. And our counseling center on campus has certainly been a godsend in terms of working with our student athletes and will continue to be. Uh, Kristen doesn't suddenly become the sports psychologist of 300 student athletes. That's, that's not how this works. Um, so our, our counseling center will still be integral to how we, we work with our student athletes. But, you know, we now have somebody embedded in athletics who I think can really provide a lot of, a lot of oversight and input and direction in terms of how best to handle each individual situation. Uh, you know, thanks to Marcus Howard, um, you know, who's been very public with some of his uh, situations. Uh, you know, I think it really drove home the point to some of our donors that, that it's a critical piece. And we have a few donors who stepped up and helped make the position, uh, help fund the position even sooner than we had expected. So um, I think it's going to be a huge asset. I just filled in our, our Student Athlete Advisory Council the other night. Uh, they were asking where we stood on it, and I was pleased to tell them we actually have somebody on board, and they'll get to meet her as soon as they get back on campus. But I'm thrilled to have Kristen uh, on board, and, and I think it'll be a terrific asset for our student athletes. Talking about mental health, uh, you know, as we shift uh, to your mental health, I know you're a big, big sports fan. I mean, how is how has that been for you to, along with everybody else, to just not have the events, the different sports? I know you're a big, big Cleveland fan. Um, how has that gone for for you? Yeah, I think I'm reading a whole lot more. You know, it's funny, and I'm a huge fan, uh, but I'm not I'm not good at watching replays of games once I know the outcome. So, yeah. you know, as you know, a lot of the material that's that's running on on uh, on folks like our our colleagues at Fox and, and other sports television entities, there's so many replays taking place, and it that's not that I, that's just never kind of been where I spend a lot of time. And to have no live sports, I mean, like a lot of people said, it was just so exciting to see the NFL draft, and just to see something that you didn't know how it would end other than that number one pick. But um, So, yeah, it, 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 it is tough because for me, it is one of my escapes, um, oddly enough. You know, I do sports all day, um, but particularly in the summer, I, I, I'm a big baseball fan. And, you know, to not be able to see the Brewers or the Indians, I'm, I'm fans of both. Uh, but Cleveland is the hometown. So uh, I, I do, I miss it. I, I really miss it. There's no question. But again, if that's all I have to complain about, I don't have too much to complain about. Well, you're lucky you're not a Packers fan because you would have been able to complain about the draft like everybody else. Then. <laughs> it was kind of, it was, it was fun to watch people get a little excited about that pick. No, it's uh, it's interesting interesting to watch. That's for sure. I, no, I I totally agree. It was it was great for them to do it, and it was a, a much needed distraction. Uh, but it, it doesn't stop the criticism, as I know you're aware as well. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, we want to thank Bill uh, for his time today. We hope you have enjoyed the debut episode of the Ring Out Ahoya podcast, which is available on GoMarquette.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thanks, Bill. Scott, anytime. Thanks for doing this for Marquette. You're awesome.